So the urgency continues this week. Last week I left you with the gospel demands a response. So was last week any different than the one before it? Or was it the same old, same old? Last week, the scriptures kind of put a fine point on this. The example was two men will be out in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding grain at the mill, one will be taken, one will be left. And I added for our own reflection, three teens will be on an ATV, one will be taken and two will be left. This is what this is about. Do we think about where we're going and where we're headed. And then this week, Jesus' buddy, John the Baptist, comes up with this, prepare the way of the Lord. So this is far from just a, a pious kind of spiritual exercise, but really, <clears throat> it is a stark examination of conscience for us. The gospel demands a response. And so in the midst of these chaotic days with programs and busyness and harvest and hunting and, and all kinds of other things, it's easy for us to kind of lull ourselves into forgetting about what the real preparation is for. So, this is not new news that Jesus isn't going to be born on the 25th of December. That happened a long time ago. So the preparation we're talking about is internal, okay? And that's why we talk about Advent as a lifestyle and not just a, a season or something that we do once. It's a, it's a continual process in our life. So it's not a day on the calendar, it's not a holiday. It's a preparation that doesn't center around an event. So what's it about? It's an urgent call to conversion. An urgent call to conversion. A change in our way of living. Something that doesn't just happen, but has to be intentional. It happens little by little, but intentionally. So if you've ever tried to lift weights to get stronger, or if you've ever tried to lose weight, you don't just, I'm gonna pick up this 100 pound weight, and tomorrow I'm gonna to be ginormous. It doesn't work that way, or I'm gonna, okay, I'm not gonna have a donut today, and tomorrow I'm 10 pounds lighter. It doesn't work that way. It's little by little, it's incremental, but it's intentional. It's intentional. The gospel demands a response. And so it really is the difference between my kingdom and the kingdom of God. We all have kingdoms. It's our opinions, it's the way we want things to be, it's our own little circle in life. But this is about the kingdom of God, not John's kingdom or Daryl's kingdom or Linda Williams' kingdom. And so that's why John the Baptist appears on the scene. And uh, If you're on Facebook, I posted a picture uh, of a painting of John the Baptist um, that I found, and it's pretty arresting. He's a pretty wild guy. And his message was outrageous. His message was outrageous. And it was about, and I t keep telling you this, and it's because uh, I find it funny, but he's not the kind of guy you want to invite to your parties. He's weird, he doesn't hang out with people a lot, and he always has the same thing, repent, repent. Repent, and you say, why did I invite this guy? He's a downer. But his message is really radical. But what's really radical is what happens if we allow this to happen. We heard some of this. Things like, 
The wolf shall be the guest of the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the young lion shall rise together. It's nothing short of miraculous. Nothing short of miraculous. And people thought he was nuts. And then when he was baptizing at the Jordan River and the religious rite was coming to him, he looked at them and he called them snakes. You brood of vipers. And then what did he say? Same thing that God says to us. Produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance. Don't just give me a pious thought. Show me. I'm from Missouri. And so that's why his message is significant for us. And what do we mean by that? Okay. Well, most of the time, I think when it comes to our faith, we're into tweaking. I'll, I'll tweak this a little better. I'll tweak this a little bit. John the Baptist is nothing less than full-on change your life. And that's why we don't do it. And that's why we don't experience the miracles. Because we think if we just kind of rearrange our spiritual furniture, I'm going to say, I'll, I'll tuck in a little extra prayer this week on everything else that I'm doing. As long as Christ is not the center, everything else is an aggravation. So if this is one thing that you do this weekend, but you got to get it in someplace so that you get on to the more important things in life, you'll always find something wrong with prayer or worship. If it becomes the central thing, that makes a difference. So what's this produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance? It's what God calls us to do. Who did Jesus come for? Yes, he came for us, but who did he spend most of his time with? The poor, the marginalized, the downtrodden, the people whom society had rejected. So how are we doing on that scorecard? So what does that mean today? Well, it means like, uh, well, the poor and the downtrodden, we always have. It's, it's immigrants, it's those who are gay and lesbian, it's the, it's the person who is divorced, it's the person who's maybe committed a felony, it's the person that we just can't stand who has wronged us. That's how you and I will be judged. Anybody can get along with the people they like. That's not what heaven's about. Maybe, just maybe, we've taken this message and diluted it too much. We've made the gospel too PC. You know, sometimes people say to me, well, you know, I go to church, but it's too political. You dang right it is, because that's what this is about. It's not about political parties. But it's about making a difference in the things that we say and that we do. Unfortunately, I think that we've been raised to think that being Christian is being nice. I'm a nice person, I'm a Christian. Well, I don't, I had never found in any translation, maybe it's there, I've never found a translation of the Bible that says Jesus said to be nice. <laughs> What's nice? It's nothing. It certainly isn't Christian. And so maybe we're too nice. Too bad. Because it's better than being too late. And that's what this is asking us to take a look at. In one of the reflections I read this week, I found this quote. I wanted to share it with you. Listen to this a second, if you would. We cannot speak of God's love coming down at Christmas time and forgetting that that divine love is fierce in its judgment of those who resist love's commands. Let me repeat that one more time and then unpack it. We can't speak of God's love coming down at Christmas time and then forget 
that that divine love is fierce in his judgment of those who resist love's commands. Being a Christian isn't just about having nice thoughts. It's how we treat each other. It's how we forgive each other. It's how we reach out to other people. It's how we accept each other. That's what this is about. If we don't do this, Judgment Day is going to be extraordinarily uncomfortable. That's why I keep having this, this vision in the back of my mind. Maybe God will correct it someday. I'm sure he will. <clears throat> but at Judgment Time, I, I imagine this screen dropping down and Jesus saying, John, let me show you some things. And he's going to show me pictures of people that I have ignored or people that I should have apologized to or received their apologies, or people that I should have tried to bring together and I didn't. That's what it's going to be. He's not going to say, well, you, you missed morning prayer 2,800 times in your life. No, it's this stuff. This is what the gospel talks to us about. So that's why one of the ways that we do what John the Baptist says, produce good fruit as evidence of your repentance, is that's why we as Catholics go to confession. This Wednesday is our Advent communal penance. And I checked the registrations of all five parishes. The Blessed Mother is not a member at any of our parishes. So that means everybody in the pastorate should go to confession because none of us are sinless, including me. And so again, we have it set up really easily. Uh, there'll be... Uh, a light meal next door from 5.30 to 7.30. Confessions are here from 6 to 8. The Archbishop has come out again to uh, celebrate with us. He thinks this setup is the best thing since canned beer. My words, not his. Uh, it can't get any easier. But what is confession? It's being honest. It's being honest about the times that I haven't responded the way the gospel wants me to respond. It's not about my opinions. It's not my, about my affiliations. It's not about the way I want things to be. It's about the way that things are. So how does this happen? <clears throat> Thought you'd never ask. Last week when I was in Waterloo, I bought my mom an amaryllis. And they had this new way of doing them that they dip the amaryllis bulb in wax. Maybe you've seen it. I hadn't seen that before. So you don't have to water it. It has everything it needs within it. To me, it looked like a rutabaga. But uh, anyway, I thought, well, this is great. They can just put it on the windowsill in my mom's room, and, and the sun, S-O-N, S-U-N, comes in and does the work. So I dropped it off at my sister's house because it was late at night when I got it, and I said, take that to mom the next day. Well, she sent me a picture this week, and it's already this high. You see, the thing of conversion is, is you don't do it. You put yourself into God's light and you let God do the work. You gotta be open. Just set yourself in the window and let the sun, S-O-N, do its business. But you can't be indifferent. And most of us, I think, are into stump living. <laughs> We're just stumps. But Christ reminds us that there's potential there. There's potential for faith and growth that can blossom into, if you could pardon me murdering the metaphor, that can blossom into something that we can never imagine that's wildly impossible 
with our own efforts. Gospel demands a response. But don't worry. Shoots can sprout from a stump. How about you?